Well, good morning. Can y'all believe it's Christmas Eve already? I mean, this is just like, it feels like it's came out of the blue. I mean, we get ready for this every year. We have the same number of days, roughly, give or take a day. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're here. You know, and we have been making our way through these four weeks of Advent, and um, uh, we've been talking about peace and hope and joy and love. And one of the things that we need to, to kind of remember is exactly what these children were talking about earlier. When I asked them what today is, Christmas, Christmas Eve, and they knew why it was important. Because of Jesus. Jesus makes this day and tomorrow important. But not just today, not just tomorrow, but every day important. Because it's Jesus who was given to us by God. That we would have a, a way to have a relationship, a, a pathway, a grace to have a relationship with God. And that is incredible. Now this story, this very familiar story um, that Kristen just read is, um, I mean, we can almost say that by memory, just rote memory. We've heard it so many times. You know, when I was a child, um, we would go to my mother's family. We would always gather on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at my grandparents' house or my aunt and uncle's house, and we would always kind of gather for supper, and there would be dessert and then we were all kinds of dessert, and, and um, we would sit by the fireplace if we were at my aunt and uncle's house, and my uncle, who was a Baptist preacher, would, would read this story. So we would listen to it as a family. And if we were at my grandparents' house, we would gather in their living room and as close as we could to that, that heater in the corner, the big propane heater that we would sit as close to, and then when you would stand up, the, the material on your clothes would like scorch your back because it's just so hot. But it felt so good. And then we would, we would eat these desserts. One of, my, one of my favorite desserts, I had several. I had um, my grandmother's pound cake was phenomenal. My mother made a thing called Chocolate Delight, and it's layers of, of um, like a pecan crust, you know what I'm talking about? Then it has a cream cheese uh, layer, and a chocolate layer, and a whipped cream layer, and there's pecans all on top of it. Amazing. I could eat a half a pan in one sitting. And then my aunt, my Aunt Nell, made um, a chocolate layer cake. It was incredible. I mean, this thing had like seven layers. It was phenomenal. And it was just, just chocolate, rich, pure chocolate deliciousness. That's what it was. And no one has been able to make it since she passed away. I don't know what she did. I don't know if it was the pan, if she left something out of the ingredients. I have no idea. But no one has been able to replicate that cake. So I haven't had it since, since she stopped making it. But I have this memory of it. And I have a memory of, of all, those, all these layers of that cake and that chocolate icing cake and chocolate icing. This story we have just read is, is much like that cake. It's so layered. And if we were to take the time, we could spend weeks wading through these layers of this very familiar story. 
Luke opens up by telling us a time frame. This was during the time of the Emperor Augustus and the Governor Quirinius. He, he tells us this to say this all takes place in human history. Now, scholars have argued and debated, did, did Luke get it right because these people were not around at the same time? They weren't in power at the same time. But Luke wasn't overly concerned about getting the exact chronology correct. He wanted to get the chronology of God's salvation story correct. And so he lays out this ordered story about Jesus comes into the world in human history. And he comes into a world that is dominated by the Roman Empire. Beginning with the emperor. And then all the governors like Quirinius. And then the the regional leaders like King Herod. These are all puppets and governors of the empire. They have full authority to say and do whatever they wanted. And everyone else had to fall in line. And if you didn't, you were crushed. Utterly crushed. And that's what we call the Roman peace. Pax Romana. Now I want us to think about that because Luke is building these layers Jesus comes into human history during this particular time of of, of human history. And then we have this uh, this next layer says that Jesus comes into this empire. And the next thing that, that Luke lays out is that he comes not to the powerful, not to the elite, but he comes to this simple, poor family who are oppressed. And the Roman Empire has said, you will go... And you will be registered, and you will be taxed, and if you don't, you will be crushed. So we find Mary and Joseph making their way to Bethlehem to be registered, to be taxed, so that the empire and the emperor can know exactly how much they have, how big, how powerful they really are. And God is working in human history within the empire and brings about this world-changing, life-changing, human history-changing event through just a very common family. And they make their way to Bethlehem, which is the town of David. And Jesus is born where there was no place for Jesus, where there was no place for the Messiah. And so they laid Jesus in this manger where animals would eat, where animals would sleep. Where animals were cared for. And so another layer that Luke is building is not only is, is, is God working not from the empire, not from a place of power, but from a place of vulnerability. A place of nurture. A place of embrace. Because when you see a baby, whenever Callie comes into the building... You just fall in love with this baby all over again. And that's the way it is with babies. You can't help it. They're vulnerable. They're tender. They're gracious. They're accepting. And they need us. And we need them. And so Luke is building this cake, if you will, layer after layer, after layer, after layer. And we find another layer when when the angel appears to the shepherds in the field to offer 
Evangelion, good news. Because Evangelion typically meant good news from the empire, for the empire, which meant about 7% of the people in the empire were receiving good news. Everybody else, you were being registered, you were being taxed, you were being oppressed. 93% of the population. But this angel says, I bring you good news. Real good news. Not just for 7%, not even just for the 93%, but for all, 100% of all people everywhere in all times because God is doing something wonderful. Something of peace and power. And it looks like a baby. And they give these shepherds a sign. Go to Bethlehem. Look for a child wrapped in swaddling clothes. In a manger, and there you will find the gift from God, a gift of salvation, the Messiah, the Lord. And so we have these layers that Luke has built, and they go deeper, and they go deeper, and they go deeper. One of the last layers, maybe it's the top layer, is at the end of this account when the shepherds. When they leave the manger, when they leave the presence of Jesus, they go glorifying and worshiping God and telling everyone all that they had seen and all that they had heard. They respond with the proclamation, with the announcement that God has done something miraculous, something wonderful. For us, these shepherds, some of the lowest of the low, and not just for us, but for the elite, for the powerful, and for the whole world. And so I invite us on this Christmas Eve and in this Christmas season to get into the layers of this cake. Enjoy every layer and share it. Share with everybody you meet. It's just good news. And it's good news for everyone. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.